And we are live for the 97th episode of the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast. Not going to do the Luigi host shit tonight. Uh, you know, it's not him. We got Andrew tonight. Um, joining me is G. And Ahoy. things are, are quite different from the, the last time uh, we, we caught up to you guys. Uh, but, but let's kick it over to you, G, real quick. Uh, what's going on? Hey, Ben. I am doing okay freshly off of vacation i'm re-energized now and i'm ready to watch the yankees hopefully go and do good things and make the playoffs it's it's so wild i was re-listening to the last podcast that i did with the i guess like seven or eight days ago i think it was last monday after we had on winning two out of three against the white Sox. but in the time since yankees haven't lost a game it's been wild. The tone of that podcast was this team is miserable to watch, even though they're winning. It's painful. They're taking years off our life. Nothing is easy. And all of a sudden, something happened. They're playing with energy. They're playing cleaner baseball. They're scoring a little bit easier. They're avoiding, for the most part, the the ninth inning meltdowns. I know last night against Atlanta notwithstanding, but... Spoiler alert. We'll get to it. It's a different team than we than we've gotten used to watching this year. Certainly over the past two or three weeks, but you go back the whole season. We've been we've been bitching and moaning about this team all year, and all of a sudden, eleven straight wins, and we are right there. Yeah, I mean, I, it's the 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 current winning streak started against the White Sox, so you know that's obviously good because. Um, you know, it's a good team and, you know, they were trying to make up ground and all that jazz, but like, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's the, they started to play better baseball at, you know, some point in the middle of July and, you know, you could point again, you know, you could point to Rizzo and Gallo and all that stuff they did at the deadline. That's helpful too. But like, it's really strange to have watched them flip a switch from team that gets thrown out at home plate team that makes outs on the bases, team that makes stupid errors and bad mistakes. And all of a sudden they're just like doing everything right. They're stealing bases. They're making plays on defense. Like it is literally 180 degrees from what they were doing to this point. It's, in the season. it's wild. And and to their credit, they're, they're getting some clutch hitting, which certainly eluded them earlier in the year. So since we, since we last podcasted, the Yankees took, three games in two days against the Boston Red Sox, a, a season changing series, right? Where, where they were on the outs uh, of a wild card spot. And by the time the series had ended, they had actually surpassed the Red Sox in the standings uh, to this point, obviously having not dropped a game since they've, they've not relinquished that lead. And in fact, ascended all the way up to the number one wild card spot, followed that up by taking three games in a row against uh, the Minnesota twins. Sunday's game, obviously for the hurricane w- was rained out rescheduled for next month. But then the Yankees went to Atlanta Monday and Tuesday, and, and we'll spend the bulk of tonight's episode digging into those two games. And, and they, they beat an equally as hot Atlanta Braves team that came into that series with an identical nine-game winning streak. The Yankees won both games. Braves are still in first place, don't have much competition as the NLEs continues to collapse all around them. But if you're talking about barometer of where this team is at talking about statement wins beating the Minnesota twins doesn't prove all that much beating a Red Sox team that's slumping is impressive, but it's not the same thing as taking it to the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta 
uh, as hot as they were. And with a um, a player like Freddie Freeman, who's you know just been tearing it up for after the slow start most of the season, he's been really really good. So, um, you know that almost came home to roost in the ninth inning of last night's game, but it didn't thankfully. And uh, yeah, we got eleven in a row. So let's let's get after it. Yeah. So so to start off Monday. Yankees and Braves, as I mentioned, both came into that game with with nine game winning streaks. You had Jordan Montgomery on the mound against um, who was it? Uh, was it Hinoa? Uh, yeah, Wasker Hinoa. Wasker Hinoa, um, who who's had a strong season to to his own right, and it was just a a very clean go about your business, grind it out win by the Yankees. Right, Montgomery wasn't stellar by any means he even said he didn't think he he, he pitched that well he kind of got tired after five innings again it's only his second start since coming off the COVID IL list but let's talk about John Carlos Stanton because this guy goes through these stretches you remember he did it earlier in the year that series against what was it the Houston Astros earlier in the year and then a couple games before after that Obviously, he's he's starting to play the field a little more, so I don't know if that has some kind of effect. But this dude is white hot right now. I'll say nuclear. He's nuclear. He is. He is the um, like the gif of the guy walking who's completely on fire, basically right now. Um, <clears throat> and um, yeah, I mean, so so in that in that game was that the was that the game with the shenanigans home run? Yes, <laughs> that that was the the second inning right of that game. Right, right, yeah, okay, exactly. So yeah, so I mean, for Stan, obviously it's great that he's doing this now, but I think the more, um, I guess if we're doing you know endpoints and all that stuff, his recent hot streak that people like to point to, it, you know, has he's been really, really good since July thirtieth, which was the first day he played the field, and he's batting, um, over three hundred. He's you know his slugging and his on base are a mile better than they were earlier in the season when he was just DHing. Um, and it's, you know, in, in that game, the first game of the series, he took a ball that was basically almost in the left-handed batter's box that he was a, like just a way, way off timing on and, and put it in comfortably in the right field seats. So it almost hit the, um, the, the, the restaurant they have out there. I mean, that, that ball made absolutely no sense because the swing was so awkward, and somehow he still got a barrel on it. So obviously, it went down the line, right? Because he was as late as he was on it, right? But the well, fact that it's... he just almost couldn't get the swing off to begin with, and when it landed, you're, you're talking about what was it, 380, 400 from from home plate, and almost at the back wall of of the seating hat there. Well, it's just... so the um for. John Carlos Stanton, it's funny because, you know, the thing that makes me think of is backyard baseball. You know, if you're not 10 years old, then you'll remember what backyard baseball is. Like, um, where you get the, the line drive power up, what is it, screaming line drive, and you would yeah. hit basically a ball that just just is like a dead line drive and, and bounces off the wall. It's all like that. It's like In half a second. He hits, yeah, exactly. He hits the ball, and you think it's going to come down and it just keeps going and it could be a home run and later in the game you know you had a key a key hit a, a, of a double off the wall rbi uh you know hit off the wall that you know it's just a laser beam that just keeps freaking going so yeah uh, and, and in that that two run double he had in the sixth inning 
of Monday night's game ended up being the difference maker. The game was tied 1-1 at that point, put the Yankees up 3-1. They ended up winning 5-1, courtesy of two-run single by Sanchez later on. But certainly, he provided most of the offense that night. And I remember uh, in our chat, we were talking about it that night, like, oh, what is Aaron Boone doing taking out the guy who's literally driven in the only runs in the ball game? But uh, he, he, yeah, he I mean, intensive move. And, and again, and this is how the Yankees are, are going to play games from here on out. If you get a lead, you have to be comfortable with, like, let's say DJ is playing, I don't know, third base that day, right? And then he's he's slumping at the plate, put in Geo, right, as a defensive replacement. It, it's weird taking out LeMahieu, but you're going to have to make moves like that based on if you have the lead, <laughs> we're, we're going to have to take gambles on. We're gonna, Let's just hope the bullpen holds up. Let's get our best defensive lineman out there. And if we give up a little bit of offense, let's hope it's a non-issue, right? Right, right. Um, I will say just, you know, for Stanton loop closing purposes, since July 30th to uh, the 24th, which is yesterday's game against the Braves, it is 313, 21 and 600 and an OPS over a thousand. So like, you know, I think Michael K said this on his show. It's like you hold him to the standard of the guy who hit 59 home runs and obviously you'd love for him to do that. But like, Long stretches, you know, when when he's not hurt, for long stretches of time, he is still, like, a really good player. And, you know, he's just, like, a preposterously strong human being. So, um, but, yeah, he's he's doing the thing. And, you know, I guess segueing, um, Aaron Boone, I was on a recent podcast. I was somewhat starting to give him credit you know, because the Yankees were starting to win games more regularly and win series and all that. And they seemed like they were getting into a rhythm. Um, and, you know, we ripped him every single podcast, you know, to start the season, rightfully so. So, you know, it's it's only fair that he gets credit now. Um, you know, they lost a lot of guys to injury and to COVID and to all sorts of annoying, silly stuff. Um but they're playing well, and he does seem like the, he's got a rhythm. You know, for Stanton, you know, it's play him six, seven, or eight innings or whatever, and then take him out for defense and rotate him in, you know, to DH and all that stuff. Um, but all these guys that have been up since the injuries, right? Odor's out there learning third base on the fly. He's doing, you know, pretty okay. Um, Andrew Velasquez is just – that kid can pick it, a shortstop. You know, he's playing really good, and – um but he's got a rotation for all these guys. And I think if the Yankees, um, you know, with some help on the way that we can get into in a little bit, um, a couple more days till September, until you get a few extra roster spots, they might be able to, uh, you know, keep a lot of these guys rotating into the lineup and, um, and, you know, hopefully keep some of that good vibes and momentum and not, you know, turn anyone too sour. And that's an important note because I don't want to bury Another important storyline from from this past weekend, um, amidst us talking the the Atlanta games, but Luke Voigt has been equally, if not hotter than than John Carlos Stanton, um, and he took it to the Minnesota Twins specifically uh, over the weekend. Obviously, with the way the Yankees set up their their outfield, you had the the Gallo Judge Stanton. Outfield, Rizzo at first, and you're what playing an outfield ballpark. The there wasn't really package. a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, right. But there wasn't there wasn't a spot for Voight, right? Because under that alignment, he's been the primary DH, right? When you can get Stan in the field, so 
he was only sporadically used in the two games against Atlanta, a couple pinch hit appearances. I believe he walked in both of them. So I did nothing to hurt his OBP, but Luke Voigt, I, I do just want to touch upon before we get back to the Atlanta series that he, he came off his third aisle stint and looked dreadful. Right. And he, he came up probably a little too <clears throat> soon because they had to replace Rizzo for going on the COVID IL. Maybe Luke needed another two or three games in the minors of rehabbing. And I'm certainly guilty for forgetting on him right away and be like, look, I don't know what's, and, and I think everyone, if, if we're being honest with ourselves, right. The amidst the injuries, the underperformance this year, it just seemed like it was the, the scale was tipping into maybe it's time to question what value this guy has. And on the drop of a dime, Holy shit. He's tearing up the league again. Yeah, I mean, so the Yankees on their own, right? It's been a strange year, right? You start with no fans in the stands and, you know, COVID protocols and all sorts of stuff going on. You know, the Yankees got bit in the ass with COVID more than just about any other team and injuries and all that stuff. And you have a few outcomes, really, that you can point to, and they're all in the Yankees, right? Be like, Voight is hurt. He's hurt early. He's hurt again. He's hurt again in the season. Now he's back, and it looks like he's... Um, kind of getting on track and looking like he could really be that useful player, you know, after, unfortunately, after, whether it lit a fire under his butt or not, you know, after they acquired a guy who basically is going to play every day. Um, and then you have Zach Britton, we can talk about a little bit later, but he's the guy, again, hurt a, a few different times, and that looks like his, you know, his season is over before it ever really got going. So, um you know, I think it's good. Obviously, it's good if you have, you know, a player come off injuries and all that jazz and all of a sudden just be incredible. And, um, you know, thanks to the National League rules, we didn't get to see him. Hopefully, he doesn't cool him off too much. But, you know, with all that stuff, um, you know, if the Yankees go on and make the playoffs, you know, they can run out the lineup um, that we all want them, you know, to run out there. Um, most days, if they if they want to, especially in the playoffs, they could run it out there just about every day, and a Voight would be able to be in there in some capacity. Yeah, and and assuming he he can maintain even what seventy eighty percent of that, because there's no way he's going to hit a five hundred clip, a a thousand OPS, right, for the rest of the year. But no, I mean, all you yeah, that, mean, that, that that would be pretty nice if walks. we can get yeah, but but if he, if he can drive and runs at the the rate he is. Um, you get Rizzo in there for his gold glove caliber defense at first base. Maybe he starts hitting again because he certainly cooled off. Um, hasn't really done a ton since coming back off the COVID IL in his own right. But again, it's just a few games and I think we know what he's capable of. But um, let's just bring it back and, and close out this this Atlanta series before we get into uh, some of the other things tonight. <sighs> Man, Tuesday night was was a roller coaster, right? You You had... Keen dog, Andrew Heaney uh, on the mound, and right off the bat, getting into getting into trouble like he always seems to. Right, uh, even you go back to the Red Sox game where he pitched in inarguably his best start as as a New York Yankee. Right, he gave us a whole home run to Bogarts in the first inning, and then just locked it down the rest of the way. In Atlanta, not as lucky. Gave up two runs. I believe it was a two-run double from Dansby Swanson, who actually drove in the only run the night before as well. So this guy quickly becoming a Yankee killer. 
and you're thinking, here we go again, right? But this team is different. It, it, they just uh, have that, that. I will interject and say that was especially frustrating because he got the first two outs of the game, uh, first two outs of the inning on four pitches, and then walked the next guy, hit the next guy, and then all that bullshit, and they, they scored yeah. two runs. They loaded so. the bases without, without putting the ball in play, which was it's just it's just one of those... <laughs> Hold your breath. It's and, like and we're going to get the Haney moments. tonight that gave up four home runs in his first like six innings as a Yankee, and yeah, not what was it? Was it eight just, nine home runs? And yeah, in it was like eight runs. And, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, eight. so it, it happened so quickly that you're just going to be like, oh well, we're going to get this shit Haney. But, and, but to his credit, he he gave us four solid innings. <clears throat> Obviously, he got a quick hook because the National League ballpark. Stupid National League rules. Pitchers got a hit. Aaron Boone saw an opportunity to pinch hit for him in the top of the fifth, and he did. And with the off day today, we're recording this on Wednesday, the 25th. Aaron Boone was like, we're going to go for it with the bullpen day, right? We got four innings from our starters. Let's just get everyone out there and, and get this sweep and, and get out to Oakland, right? And what started the, the Yankees offense for the second night in a row? John Carlos Stanton. And you talk about that screaming line drive from backyard baseball. That's what he did in his... Uh, in, in the second inning uh, of game two, that ball was no more than what, 15, 20 feet off the ground, the entire line. And it went to left center field, like an absolute shot. And, and yeah, it got it's out. Like in John the and I love and appreciate him, especially because it's, he's not like a launch angle guy. He's just like, I'm going to hit the absolute piss out of the ball every single time. It could be a single, it could be, a line drive double or home run, anything in between. It's not these big towering shots. It's like he squares it up every single time, and it's just so much fun to watch. Like, it it really is because when he's going well, there's there's few guys who are are more fun to watch around the league. But of course, on the flip side, when when he's off, it's it's ugly. But I I don't want to drag this down right now because that's not the guy we're getting right now. So let's not focus on what ifs the rest of the game. Sanchez tied the game in the fourth DJ hit a big home run off probably the worst pitch I've ever seen Charlie Morton throw just a hanging curveball that just sat there dead middle and DJ who doesn't have a ton of power this year, launched it out of there. And you're starting to think like, Holy shit. Here we go. Four, two lead. Another another win, but of course with the Yankees, nothing is easy, right? They're lucky to have gotten that game to the seventh, eighth, ninth inning with the lead because there was that challenge play at the plate where I still to this to this moment, I think I've watched the replay 20, 30 times. I don't understand how they called Freddie Freeman out of the plate. The, the initial call on the field was out. Fine, but that's the whole point of, of instant replay, right? And it clearly looked like he got his fo- foot in there before Gary was able to tag him on the back of the, the thigh or the back or whatever it was. It's just what is the purpose of Major League Baseball's replay system if they consistently get these things wrong? Dude, man, I think, I don't know. Like, I obviously have no faith in Rob Manfred's leadership. You know, I, the guy couldn't organize a two-car parade, but like... I just think it's going to have to be, you know, these these dudes, these this organization, the umpires or whatever else, you know, the leadership of Major League Baseball is so afraid of doing things, of changing, of of doing the smart or the brave or the bold or the making the changes that 
you know, so clearly need to be made that they're just going to need to be embarrassed, right? They don't, baseball organization, Major League Baseball is so reactionary. So they're just going to need to get embarrassed. They need to get absolutely humiliated in the playoffs on a big stage. Something's going to need to happen to them where you just say, how could that possibly happen? This is so idiotic. And that's when they'll change. And they don't ever do it before. They never get, they didn't get out in front of the, sticky stuff or the baseballs or anything else in between. They just have to wait for it to blow up in their face and then they'll do something about it. And because it sucks because someone is going to pay the price to, for that, right? <clears throat> There's going to be some cataclysmic moment where it's like, all right, enough is enough. You guys suck. The system's broken, right? But someone's going to pay the penalty for, for that error. You just hope it's, it's not your team. For, oh, well, yeah. I mean, but it's, 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 so, it, it's egregious for replay because it's like, hey, you know what? They'll go look at a play where it's plain as day, they look at it for like two or three minutes and you say, how could it possibly take this long, right? They're looking at it, we're all looking at it at the same time, like on the big board or they're talking to whoever they're talking to on the headset, like, like how, one, like the, you know, one of the guys in our group chat said, how we like on like the quality camera that looks like, you know, a cell phone from 10 years ago and there's pictures of it on Twitter. How can we tell from that angle that the, the guy that, looks really like he's really safe very comfortably safe how can we tell from that when they're looking at it on presumably the best equipment and they're talking to someone who's also looking at it on the best equipment and they don't know or they are too afraid or whatever to to get the call wrong and be called out for it so they just they're you know it just doesn't make any sense it, it really it, doesn't make any sense you would think major league baseball's uh, replay control room has 100 monitors they have every camera angle on both feeds, right? The guy can pull it up. He can see it from all the different angles, zoom in, slow-mo, whatever it may be. And I get they don't want to drag on a replay for four or five minutes and completely kill the pace of, of the game. but Which it does anyway. You still got to be able to, to make that call. And this goes back to a lot of the issues the NFL has, right? Where you need, they use the term indisputable evidence, right? Which, like, bullshit, right? You don't need such overwhelming evidence to overturn the play, the, the call on the field. Like if there's even a remote view that shows, hey, you know what? The call on the field is wrong. That should be enough. It shouldn't be. Well, literally no one can look at this and say that the original call was correct. So we have to overturn it. If there's any gray area that says, you know what? They screwed up. This isn't right. Let's flip it. You got to make that call. That's the whole purpose of replay. I hate that indisputable evidence thing and i wonder if mlb's falling into that as well but whatever it was the yankees were the beneficiary of this last night ultimately it, it did play a, a huge role in the game because we only won the game by a single run odor hit a ball to mars the the following inning or two innings later excuse me and the yankees carried a two-run lead into the bottom of the ninth inning with a this chapman on the mound who looked very good on monday night in closing out a four-run game and what happened? Basically, our, our our worst nightmare, right? He he lost confidence in his fastball. A couple questionable calls, right? There was that that foul tip with with two strikes and two outs that I don't really know if I saw ball make 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 contact with the bat, but Gary Chapman didn't seem to complain, so maybe they heard something. The umpire's right there. If he hears some kind of contact, he calls a, a foul. Say, tip, whatever. To, they must have heard something because it didn't at all look like he made contact or was even close to it. Right. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. And then 
immediately after Albies grounded the ball to Odor, which should have ended the game there as well. Kind of double clutched, did a little extra crow hop. Albies just fast as hell Albies, beat it out. Yeah, and all of a right. sudden Albies was busting his ass out of the box. Yeah. And everything that we thought that that we we had finally cleared of, right? So these late in collapses, you had the the Angels game, you had the Houston game, you had the, the games in Boston. There's so many moments where the Yankees have just taken punches right to the ribs all year. And you thought, God, please don't let this be another one. And the Angels, excuse me, the Angels, the um the Braves load the bases, one one run game, and their best hitter comes up. Chapman gets yanked for for Wandy Peralta. How good has this dude been <laughs> over the past few weeks? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, a feather on Brian Cashman's cap for sure because they gave up Mike Talkman, who was hurt and then was bad and then was hurt and bad and all that stuff in between and, you know, got DFA'd by the Giants and, you know, so then they got a left-handed reliever and he turns out to be a really, really useful one in a season where you'd think anyone, right, any reliever who's supposed to be good is inexplicably melting down and, you know, Britain's hurt and, you know, whatever else in between and you get this guy for basically nothing and it, especially since the calendar turned to August, he's been really, really useful and has been, you know, deservedly getting the higher leverage situations because of it. Yeah, his last seven games, he's pitched eight innings, allowed five hits, no earned runs, one walk, has a whip of 0.75, and, and, and two saves over his last seven games. I think if you expand that to eight or nine, he has a third save in there as well, which is just wild to think about that over this stretch the Yankees have had five different guys convert saves none of them named chapman or britain and peralta's gotten three <laughs> saves um I, I should say five separate guys not five total saves five separate guys have recorded saves and he himself has gotten three alone uh he's been a, a boon to a, a, an offense excuse me a, a bullpen that is is really really struggling and looking for arms right now uh, because Chapman is is a question mark every time he he takes the mound. Britain has gone down. Chad Green has looked really good or really bad. The only real accountable guy in the bullpen is Jonathan Loisica. So having a guy like Peralta also instill some confidence in you is is a huge help that we desperately need right now. Yeah, and I mean the thing about Jonathan Loisica, which he's been exceptional and. Um, it's really easy. I'm guilty of it too. And I have been on several occasions to just be like, well, you know, before Chapman came back anyway, be like, oh, well, he's the best. Just have him close games. But like everyone else in the Yankees bullpen, other than Peralta for the last little while, has been so unreliable, so irregular, so whatever that, you know, it's like, hey, Lil Isaac is coming in in the sixth inning. He's going to pitch two innings. One, um, you know, the one game recently, I can't remember which one that he, he closed, you know. Um, oh, that was one of the Red Sox doubleheader games. Anyway, yeah. So, and he pitched two innings in that game, too. Right, yeah. He, you know, so all that stuff. It's like he's been so good. He's been your reliable best reliever that you have to use him all over the place because no one else has been that consistent. Um, and I don't know. I mean, Chapman obviously wasn't doing great before he got hurt. And um, I don't know. I think for another little while... You have to give him some leeway, right? He was on COVID. You know, who knows? You know, Rizzo hasn't been great. He just got back from COVID. Um, 
you know, it affects everyone differently. So hopefully he can start to, you know, he had a decent appearance on Monday anyway. He was pretty good. So um, you got to give him a little bit more time. But, you know, it certainly is a concern um, other than a few guys, you know, just consistency out of the bullpen is something that they will have to get somewhat figured out, you know, with all the guys they have in house, they have to figure it out before the playoffs start because you know, you've got to be able to get to the ninth inning and, and keep that lead. So, And I think part of that is you just got to <clears> hope that some of these guys figure it out. You get some guys healthy. Maybe they, they shuffle around who's in the rotation and who goes to the bullpen. If they need an arm, I, I, I want to keep having faith that, that Severino is going to come back, but every time he, he gets close, he has another setback. So I, I'm not even going right. to put any eggs in that basket. If he comes back, it'll be a pleasant surprise at this point. I was going to say, this is like a good segue point because, you know, they do have a lot of guys who were on the cusp or kind of are on the cusp. And, you know, some of that could be related to the bullpen because, um, you know, Severino, I think at this point it's kind of shot. Severino's not going to come back and be a starter. But if he does come back, you know, you get him stretched out for one or two or three innings or however the hell long he can get him stretched out for, you know, every, for, for his career when he's pitched out of the bullpen, he's been absolutely, like, really, really ridiculously good. So, um, you know, he'd be a weapon. He'd be, a you know, an electric arm out there out of the bullpen. Um, Herman, when he's been out of the bullpen, you know, has had success. And um, I don't know. I mean, if it depends on who comes back. Kluber is on the way. You know, if you get him back, maybe you put someone, I don't know, Nestor Cortez, or you might, you probably have to shoot someone down to the bullpen unless Kluber is going to do it. So it's, it's um, odd, though, because with Cortez, I feel like he has value in being a starter, right? He's not going to blow away anyone, but he's just been so, so consistent for us this year doing his thing that. Maybe he is your fourth starter in a playoff series, right? Uh, maybe they take a guy like Luis Heal, who only has 15 and a, 15 and a third, 15 two thirds, whatever it is, innings under his belt this year, and they bring him up and they say, hey, kid, just throw gas, throw 101, 102 for an inning at, at a time. Like, how great of a weapon would that be if he could come out and, and do that, right? Uh, maybe they tinker with it late September and then they, they like it enough to, to deploy in the, in the postseason. Oh, Who I knows? Mean, I would absolutely love that. But I, mean, I think, you know, especially because he went out and acquired Haney in a trade and he hasn't been, other than the first few games, like a disaster, that would it would really require the disaster level it would be for him to be moved out of the rotation. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of hard luck, right? It would suck. But I think, you know, if Kluber comes back and he's good to go, then Nestor is probably going to the bullpen, which has value again, because, you know, he's been good. And if he could just keep doing what he's been doing, but for one or two or three or however many innings out of the bullpen, then you short up a position. And Yeah, or you could even do the the, the 2019 throwback, right, where you do the, <laughs> the opener type deal. I'm not going to say Chad Green pitches the first inning, but remember back then we had Cortez come in and throw three, four innings in the middle of the game and he was pretty pretty mediocre when he was doing it back then, right? But it was it was an effective strategy and the Aches were scoring a lot more back then where, where it worked. Now maybe you throw a guy like, I don't know, Clay Holmes out in the first inning, right? And then you have Cortez eat four or five innings in the middle and now you've gotten into the back end of the bullpen. I, I, I know this is a crazy harebrained scheme until it actually gets 
tested out and shows any success, but who knows, right? This is the kind of weird things that our analytics department will try and do. And certainly we saw it last year in the postseason where they tried to do that nonsense with Davey and Hap, and that was just the worst combination of pitchers to do it with. Uh, but we're, that that's a whole other story. Uh, let's quickly get into yeah, a... I was gonna I was going to say one last thing about that, you know, because they haven't really done that. You know, they did it a little bit. They were bullpenning when they were really down bad um, for injuries and stuff, but they really haven't been, and especially now that they've been winning and they seem to have gotten a rhythm, you know... Yeah, but I there's no reason they... to rock the boat right now. Oh, yeah, no, it'd just be like, hey, you know what? You can start. If Nestor goes to the bullpen, if Annie goes four innings and Nestor comes in for you know, two innings, three innings, or however long, and then you don't have to use Chad Green in the fifth inning. You can use him in the seventh inning, and then all that, you know, it trickled down trickled down from there. But I just think, um, I don't know, if they can get anyone, right? If Severino can come back and pitch one inning, that would be super, super great. Uh, Herman seems like he's, I don't know, somewhat close, probably closer than Severino. Um, you know, so that's another guy. He's had success in his career at the bullpen. I just think if you could get any of those, I really love the heel idea, by the way. That's, you know, because he doesn't seem phased. His stuff is obviously great. Um, and he doesn't seem phased at all. So I would love that. Just come up and, and you take the leash off and just be like, all right, just do your thing, but go absolutely nuts for one inning. And uh, that, that would be just absolutely <laughs> electric if they could pull off something like and, that. Uh, also, a, a brief tip of the cap to Albert Abreu because he's been, you know, getting a little bit better and better. And, you know, that's a useful thing because he throws 102. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, that, that, I think that's the, the, the prototype for what you'd want uh, Heel to be if they moved into the bullpen this year. I don't mean you want Heel to have the ceiling of a guy like Albert Abreu who's been pretty average uh, on his career. I just mean, like, that's the type of transition you want to see a guy who's used to being stretched out just convert him to a short-term role, even if it's only for a few weeks, right? And just say, hey, oh, just no, I mean, it's throw just as hard happens. as you can. Like, that's the first, um, you know, like what the Rays did with David Price all those years ago, right? They're like, oh, he's going to be a starter, but he's going to come up and just be an absolute weapon out of the bullpen for this playoff run where they yeah, also and they made the World Series, series that year. So <laughs> certainly there, there's some merit to that. Let's quickly just get into some players who, who've been playing well and some – one in particular I'll focus on who's, who's been struggling. Uh, obviously we touched upon uh, Giancarlo Stanton over his last seven games, hitting 348 with a slugging percentage of nine slugging, not OPS slugging of nine fifty seven, four home runs, eight RBIs and only four strikeouts, um, which is, which is actually very encouraging. Uh, we talked about Luke Voigt as well. He's hitting 500 with a slugging of a thousand uh, over his last seven games, two home runs, 11 RBIs, three walks, only four strikeouts for him as well. And let's not forget our ace, Garrett Cole, who's made two starts since coming off the, the COVID IL. Uh, in, in those two starts, he's gone 11 and two-thirds innings, allowed only a single earned run and struck out 15. So he's definitely going to get a, a big game this upcoming weekend. Uh, I believe he's scheduled for, for Friday, if I, if I looked at that correctly. Um, and then one guy who who's still struggling to find his footing, Joey Gallo, over his last seven games, is one for 22, which translates to 0.45 batting average. His on-base percentage is only 250, so he is drawing some walks, but only enough to get his OBP to a one for four clip. Slugging 
under 100. He has no home runs, no RBIs over his last seven games. And, and he's certainly still playing a, a good left field. But when we went out and got him, you expected way more from him than, than, than we're getting. He had a, a nice little run those two games in Chicago. He had the only runs in, in the two-to-one win against the Angels last Monday night. And he really hasn't done anything since. So it's concerning. You know, it needs for to improve. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean – we all knew he was going to strike out a lot, but, you know, you need to do better. You need to hit in the 200s at least if you're going to strike out as much. But, I mean, the defense is good. And, um, I mean, he works good at bats and all that type of stuff. You know, it's there's there's stuff that, you know, it's not it's not good enough, but it's better than probably what they were getting um, with the defense and with, you know, deepening the lineup and that kind of thing. And hopefully he starts hitting home runs because that's what he needs to do. And um, also, a tip of the cap to Andrew Velasquez, because over his last seven games, he's hitting 318, and you know he had a bunch of hits. He had a, a you know a few RBIs against the Red Sox in that doubleheader sweep. Um, made a beautiful play to end the game, deep in the hole in one of those games, and um, it's kind of good because you know he's a switch hitter and he's you know he's fast and you know. We talked so much about early season. The Yankees had no lefties, and now they have a lot of lefty options. So, um, you know, Andrew Velasquez, I think uh, I, I, if they can make it to September 1st with him still around and not have to option him, you know, with, you know, as when Glaber, but, you know, Geo seems like he's pretty close. So um, having a guy who can play defense like Andrew Velasquez is certainly going to help down the stretch and into the playoffs if they can keep him around somehow. I think that you, you almost have to. He has that infectious personality. <clears throat> he plays a very good shortstop. Obviously, he had that signature play to end the, the game against the Red Sox. I mean, yeah, he's like he's the kind of shortstop where it's like, you know, Glaber Torres, you know, he might jump off the page, but like defensive metrics wise, like he's still a pretty good shortstop. And Velasquez is just comfortably flat out better than he is like. And, and I'll tell you what, the Yankees optioned Davis to triple to A after last night's game. Um, so there is a, a spot available on, on the active roster. I I would believe that that's going to to Geo when he gets act to to get activated before tonight uh, tomorrow night's game. So it seems like Velasquez may be sticking around. At yeah, least for, especially for because I don't think uh, you know Glaber. I think showed up at Somerset. You know, so I think. But the way they described it on Instagram is like, oh, he's working out, and um, you know, it doesn't sound like he's started doing anything really in earnest yet so like um if you can run out the clock right you have to make it till tuesday slash wednesday um but i can't imagine they're gonna like rush him back just for the sake of you know rushing him back so i think velasquez is probably good and he'll probably make it to that and be able to to stick around um because it's it's great you know he's obviously playing playing well and you know, it's a fun story. It's, you know, he's got the personality. He's the Bronx kid. He's staying in his childhood home and all that stuff. So I think it's just another layer to the good vibes that have surfaced um, in this last stretch. And um, we need that to keep going. So keep the squid around. We've been sponsored by, by Manscaped for the majority of, of this season. I actually, I believe the, the, the whole calendar year or so. Uh, if you guys haven't gotten a chance to to check them out to this point, um, certainly they they got some some new promos going on 
coming up for the the back to school season. Uh, today's episode, obviously sponsored by by Manscaped, uh, the leaders in the below the waist grooming. It's back to school time. We want to make sure that you pack the essentials to have the best year yet. The Manscaped fourth generation performance package is just that. Things are opening up. Be ready for whatever it is in the daily schedule for you. It's the perfect package for your perfect package and includes the brand new lawnmower. 4.0. I know we've been promoting the 3.0 for a while, but the 4.0 is new to the market. Fellas, go for the valedictorian. Uh, <laughs> that's such a cringe. I, I love the, the the scripts we get, um, and, and it's I, I, such a cringy thing to say, but also so so funny. <laughs> uh, again, the valedictorian of ball trimming, and join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com. Use our promo code as always, Babel, which is B A B B L E. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we've been using this stuff for most of the season, and it is really high quality stuff. So you don't have to worry about you know the cuts and the scrapes. It's um, you know it glides really easy. It comes in a nice carry bag. Um, it has the LED light, so you know you can see where you're going, and you know keep track of everything. And, um, yeah, the performance package is nice. Comes with, you know, some wipes and some deodorizers. And, you know, you can get two free gifts with it. You get the uh, the travel bag and you get the boxer briefs, which are very comfortable. And I wear them a lot. So, Yeah, and also something that we haven't actually promoted previously, but the, the new uh, performance package 4.0 does include uh, the Weed Whacker, which is actually um, a nice nose and ear trimmer kit. Um, I personally haven't gotten to try that out yet, but definitely read some I've reviews, watched videos. That thing looks action. like a very cool <laughs> tool. I've seen it in action. I know some people who did get it, and yeah, it looks like it works pretty well. So that's a even better thing that it's included in that package. So all the better. Absolutely. So again, as a reminder, be sure to get 20% off your order, plus free shipping with our promo code BABBLE, B-A-B-B-L-E at manscaped.com. Once again, 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BABBLE, B-A-B-B-L-E. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. All right, let's bring it back. We um, have a pretty important series coming up this weekend, starting Thursday night in Oakland. So get ready for some late night baseball, some dreary eyes at work the following morning. But, gee, we got we got a big series against the Oakland Athletics coming up. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I mean, you're getting to the point of the season where you say, oh, every series, it's the most important series. But this is definitely the most important series they'll play uh, to date. And um, it's against a team that they just ran down and passed, um, you know, the A's. And we need to win this series. You know, you're not saying that you have to go sweep it and be on a 15-game winning streak. That would be fantastic. But you need to win this series, and um, you need to – you know, bring out the shovel and you need to bury them. You need to put them five, you know, four or five games down and um, and really put the pressure on. It's so crazy. We were used to looking at, well, I should say looking up in the standings, right, for, for weeks and four games behind Oakland, three games behind Oakland, a game behind Oakland. Then they got really hot for a while and it kind of hovered between one and two games. When we won, I think the first seven or eight games in our stretch, they were right there with us, but at the start of play tomorrow night, the Yankees are going to be the number one wild card seed. Um, 
Boston, as of right now, as recording, they they've just lost to to Minnesota in extra innings. So they're a full three games behind us in the number two wild card spot. Oakland is a game and a half behind Boston, so four and a half behind us in total as the first spot. Yeah, missing and they the just playoffs. lost two games in a row to Seattle on Monday and Tuesday. So, and to Seattle's credit, they're one game behind Oakland. They're as close to to us as 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 the Athletics are. So they're playing some kind of good ball as well. Um, now, obviously, if neither of those teams can can catch up to to Boston, it's a moot point, right? But Oakland looks as vulnerable as they have for the last few weeks. And this is a perfect opportunity for us to, to put the hammer down, right? Like you said, bring out the shovel, bury them six feet under. Of course, you don't want to set yourself up for one of those disappointments where you expect to win three out of four games and, and they flip the script on you. But I think the Yankees have the guys on the mound they're going to want. We're going to get starts from Tyone, Cole, and Nestor Cortez in this series. Uh, the offense is starting to figure it out. We're back in the American leagues, which means we get the DH back again. What are you most looking forward to in this upcoming series? Um, you know, I, I very much like to see John Carl Stanton for starters. We've, you know, beat that horse, but I just want to see him keep pulverizing baseballs because it's fun. And, um, you know, I love to see Garrett Cole go out there and, and be the horse. I'd love to see Tyone um, go out there against a really good team, a team, I guess, for the season that's generally been a very good team, and um, take the next step in his, you know, solidifying maturation, you know, of his season. You know, he's he's really been good the second half of the season. I'd love to see him go out there and do it against a playoff team. And, um, you know, I guess I would very much love to see Gio Rochelle come back and and – start to get his season on track and, you know, start to get in here and contribute a little bit and, um, you know, increase the vibes. We need good vibes. Mm -hmm. For me, I, I want to see the offense keep the good times rolling, right? I don't care specifically who produces, but we can't fall back into a lull right now where we're struggling to get more than two or three runs a night. Uh, certainly, I trust our pitching, but you're not going to win a lot of games on the West Coast if you're not scoring four or more every night, right? And, and certainly, we we have a, a a tough opponent right out the shoot. Former Yankee James Caprillion comes into the game seven and four record, three point two five ERA. He's been dynamite for Oakland this year. It took him a while to finally break through, but he's finally showing the promise that that Brian Cashman saw in him when he, when he drafted him. What was it like seven or eight years ago? Uh, and then obviously Oakland took a gamble on him when they when they traded for him uh, in the Sunny Gray deal, but he's finally given them everything they they wanted to see. Yeah, I mean it's it, uh, Oakland. I mean they're a good team. They won 13 games in a row earlier this season. They're a really good team. You know a lot of talent. Um, I will say, um, you know, to point out, uh, we're all thankful that he's generally okay. But Chris Bassett. You know, got hit with a liner. You know, a couple of days ago, and he's that was so you know, scary, he's out. Man. He's uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's MLB. You know, I don't know what they can do about it, but they would love for them to 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 find something to do about it because you know it's it's just awful whenever that happens. Um, but he's like one of their you know best few pitchers, and obviously the Yankees won't see him this series. Um, but 
you know, the Yankees offense, it's kind of like an all-for-one approach that they got going on, which is definitely different, but it's nice and certainly welcome. Um, Aaron Judge has been pretty good the last 15 games, batting almost 350, getting a lot of hits. Some clutch hits, which we generally don't attribute to him in our group chat, rightfully or otherwise. Um, and, you know, I don't know, DJ hit a home run, right? You're getting all sorts of weird stuff happening. Gary Sanchez, opposite field single for an RBI the other night, right? It's just all sorts of weird stuff. So I definitely want to see that continue because early in the season, it was awful and terrible to watch. And you'd be like, hey, you know, they scored two runs and that's probably it, right? Especially for Jordan Montgomery. We laughed because he got three runs of support um, the other night. And we're like, hey, this is like way more than he usually gets. So, um I kind of like the all for one, you know, approach and they're, you know, it's like a different person every night, but I also would love to see them just come out and just like obliterate a team once in, once in a while. Yeah. We, <laughs> haven't, had, not the we haven't had anyway. many of those this year, right? We, we did it, the Orioles, we did it to the twins a couple of times, but that was really it. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you someone who actually should be primed to have a pretty good series and it's Joey Gell. We just talked about earlier in the show how much he's been struggling, but he has more bats against these Oakland pitchers than anyone else in our lineup just by sheer proximity of him playing with the Texas Rangers, right? So if there's a moment for him to step up and and have his – I know he's had his quote-unquote signature Yankee moment already, right? He had a couple big home runs. He had the, the one against the Mariners. He had the one against the Chicago. Yeah, but, but look, two of his three biggest home runs have come against – AL West opponents, right? He had the, the game-winning home run against the, the Mariners and then the home run against the Angels, which ended up being the decisive runs. Uh, so why not Oakland as well, right? Uh, I know. But, but I'll tell you, uh, Friday night's game, the battle of the quote-unquote aces, and I only say that because um, like Garrett Cole is, is the bona fide ace of the New York Yankees. Sean Manaya should be their ace, right? He's not necessarily... You mentioned Chris Bassett's been awesome. Uh, James Caprillion's numbers look phenomenal as well but Sean Mania, I think is the guy they would pencil in, in in a wild cards game if if it came to that if of course they didn't have to throw him like game 162 right just to get in uh, but he is who should be their best pitcher so having those two guys go ahead head on Friday night is going to be a fun game to watch now Mania actually pitched very well against the Yankees earlier this year I believe that was the game that the Yankees won two to one right the game that ended on a triple play he started that game I think and pitched what seven eight innings so he 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 had our number for a while yeah i mean the a's are one of those teams where it's like oh you start out, you think they're like oh they're not gonna be very good they start out this year oh and six they rip, rip off 13 games in a row like you know we can make jokes about money ball and how they don't want to spend money or whatever but like you know they've been a solid team for a bunch of years and Manaya has been a good pitcher he's had a lot of success he was kind of messed up with injuries i think the last year or so but um He's good, you know. He's he's a good pitcher, and um, you know, I don't know. You can never predict, really. Sometimes the Yankees how they, um, you know, they're going to go and find, face a pitcher for the first time and get shut down, and um, you know, then they'll go and face a pitcher who's great and they just pulverize him, right? But like, you know, he's a lefty. I think gonna, I think the know. best example of that is is Jorge Lopez on the Orioles. <laughs> I think they faced him every single time they've had a series against him. So he either has three or four starts against the Yankees this year. And definitely gotten a beating in at least two of them. But the most recent start was the only game they lost in that that Baltimore series. 
um, that and then the game, the Field of Dreams game, are the only two games they've lost in the last two weeks, right? Um, so it's very weird how the Yankees sometimes struggle against a guy the first time they've seen him or the pitcher is able to adjust and then suddenly flips the script the next time he sees them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What can you do? Like, you know, Manaya, he's, you know, he's he's a lefty. You know, he's got good stuff. He's had a lot of success. So that's probably the, the game that you're looking at um, in terms of, like, established pitchers. Um, but, I mean, you know, just in general, talent-wise, and certainly with the track record and their – uh, momentum coming in. The Yankees are better than this team, and they should win this series. I said it already, but they really should, and they need to. It, it's certainly going to be be tough slugging, especially because Oakland's throwing out good pitchers every game. You, you look ahead to, to Saturday's game. I mentioned you're going to get Tyone, Cole, and Cortez as the first three in that series. Oakland's going to counter with Frankie Montas in uh, on Saturday's game, and he has also been really really good for them this year uh, has already racked up 161 strikeouts uh, and he's another one of those young guys who they they've been just waiting to, to to break through and and he's really having himself one hell of a year so far uh, i'm trying to find it because i don't know it offhand but he's been in the system for what three or four years yeah i mean so he was with the team um with oh he started with them in 2017 you know he was really good um for i'm trying to think of what year it was in 2019 he was really good and i think that was the year he got suspended he got that's suspended what it was yeah he, yeah he was he was incredible like really he good that year, 2019 um and then got banned and then last year it was bad you know he had like an over five era you know pandemic season and whatever else you know you want to attribute but um for his first few years with the team, he was pretty good. So, you know, he's a good pitcher, and, and he's having another good season this year, which sucks for the Yankees this weekend. <laughs> it, it, there really are no breaks, and, and it culminates uh, on, on Sunday night. Um, that game's actually going to be on, on ESPN. It'll be Jordan Montgomery against Paul Blackburn, who doesn't really have much on, on his, his uh, ledger so far this year. Uh, he's 0-1 with a 409 ERA, two games, two starts, 11 innings pitched. So obviously the Yankees haven't seen him. Uh, in fact, the only person in their projected starting lineup who has any bats in their career against him is Rudnett Odor. Uh, he's one for three and that's it. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully at that point, the Yankees have already taken two or three of the first three games in the series and you're, you're looking to complete a sweep or at the very least win the series. Of course, four-game series are always tough to win, just like two games because you, you have to win three out of four or a two-game series you have to sweep um, versus taking two out of three in a, in a normal three-game series. But it, it's certainly going to be a huge series for the Yankees. And most importantly, they, they can't lose this momentum that, that they've built up, right? Obviously, you're not going to rip off 11-game win streaks all that often. I believe this is the first 11-game win streak they've had in what they say is like 100 years. Um, um, this is the first 11-game winning streak since 1985. 
for the franchise. Which, okay. Yeah, for the franchise. 1985. What was the 1902 and, stat? Um, 1902. Yeah, it was the fact that two teams with at, oh, that's what that was. Okay, so it was about know, two teams with active games. nine-game winning streaks would face each other since 1902. That's what. That right. Was. Right. Okay. And um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's it's good. It's going good. Also, since we're talking about the A's and pitching matchups, Jordan Montgomery appreciation post. COVID interrupted, notwithstanding, he has been really pretty darn good for most of this year. And he has at no point been spectacular, <laughs> right? I know he had one or two starts. Um, specifically, one I'm remembering was I think he had like seven or eight shutout innings against Tampa Bay. That was like an electric outing, right? But outside of that, he just goes out and battles every game. If he doesn't have his best stuff, he doesn't get bombed. He, he may not be super right. sharp, but he'll hold the damage to three or four runs, right, instead of those seven-inning, seven-run implosions that we've seen from guys like even Cole or, or certainly Heaney's had one or two of those. Um, Monty's just been just been solid as a rock this year, and he he dealt with the, the lack of run support for a month <laughs> at yeah, one point. Say, the wins and losses doesn't jump off the page, but the Yankees just just tortured him with no run support, and it was really... It's, like, it's really upsetting. It was so awful to watch Montgomery go out there and try because he's just getting zero run support for what was like six games in a row. Like, um, But for his last seven starts, COVID interrupted again, but it's still his last seven starts. He has a 2.6 ERA, and that's pretty great. So, Right. So the only thing we haven't seen from him is is much length since comeback from COVID. He went four and two-thirds against Boston. Now, that was a, a seven-inning game, so the Yankees were um, – a little more liberal in pulling him out early because they didn't need to get 27 outs. And then certainly uh, Monday's game against Atlanta when he only went five innings, said he didn't have his best stuff, but he only allowed two hits. So uh, by, by no means was, was getting beat up. He just was a little off. He walked four guys. And, and that's the kind of guy he's going to be. So if you, you get a, a Jordan Montgomery as your fourth or fifth starter in your rotation, your rotation is in pretty good shape. Right. And I mean, this is the thing that we were saying at the beginning of the season, right? You'd be like, oh, Kluber, and he's going to, you know, take some pressure off the young guys. And, you know, you have Herman, who's done it. You know, he was out for a while because of suspension. And, you know, um, you know, Tyone, it's going to give him cover so he can come back and get into rhythm or whatever else from his long injury layoff. That obviously did not go according to plan, but it kind of happened anyway, right? Because Tyone is better now. And, um, you know, Montgomery has matured and gotten better, and now he might get Kluber back anyway. So if he can come back, you know, you have to be careful with how many times you say if when you have, you know, relying on people coming back from injuries to contribute. But if Kluber can come back and be a valuable member of the rotation again, then you definitely have something going for the playoffs. The good news with the Yankees right now, knock on wood, obviously, is that getting these guys back is a luxury. It's not out of necessity, right? So we needed to get Cole and Montgomery back because the rotation was decimated. But now that we have those guys back, you have Cole, Montgomery, Tyone, Cortez, and then I guess Heaney's pretty much established as, as the fifth starter right now, but I can see them going any number of ways and moving to the bullpen. Oh, um, I mean, once, kind you of skipping playoffs, starts. once you get to the playoffs, it's all bets are off, right? It's whoever, yeah, but what I'm saying is they don't need those... a guy like Kluber or Severino right now. Now, getting them back is just 
gives you extra options. And that's, to be honest, why we haven't seen anything from Luis Hill in the past, what, 10 days, because there's not a spot for him in the rotation, and you're not going to DFA a guy like Heaney who you just traded for, even if some of our fan base would say that that's the better option for the team, right? Uh, there, there's no spot for him, and he has plenty of options and plenty of time to develop. Uh, and, and I believe he went out and had one hell of an outing in Scranton last night. And I mean, obviously if you're used to mowing down major league hitters, triple A looks like a joke, but we've seen what happens with a guy like Davey Garcia. Nothing's guaranteed. Right. So um, he'll continuing to pitch well, even after his demotion um, is, is an encouraging sign. Yeah. And you know, that's all to say, right. And, and once you get to the playoffs, you definitely need, three starters and you probably need a fourth who can go, you know, like Haney, you know, he went four innings or whatever, but at the end of the day, it's whoever's going to get those 27 outs. I would say the Yankees only true need at this point is for Aroldis Chapman to get better at pitching the ninth inning again. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest concern with the team right now. Yeah. I mean, you could say whatever, right? Oh, Chad Green or Britain or whoever else just inexplicably melting down earlier in the season that obviously sucked but like Chapman you know he was good and then he was bad and then he was hurt and then now he's coming back and hopefully this is just a rhythm thing and uh you know he can get it we've seen him be really bad and really not willing to throw his fastball and everything else in between in the past and um but like if you don't have to worry about it right you don't have to worry about Chapman going out there and just not being able to get out in the ninth and then you could do whatever the hell you want, right? You throw Chad Green in there in the seventh inning. You throw Lovias to go for two innings. You can throw, you know, Peralta in the, you know, the fifth inning if someone blows up. Right? You can do all sorts of stuff. You just have to get to the point where you can actually be confident in your closer again. And then the Yankees yeah, will really be in. Then they'll really be a business. Right, right. You you said it just a couple of minutes ago. It doesn't really matter how you get the twenty-seven outs as long as you get them once you're in the postseason, right? So. And I will give Aaron Boone tremendous credit because, right, in what world? You'd be like, oh, you know, it's your closer. You're going to live and die with your closer on the mound. And maybe, you know, Boone is the cautious guy. The Yankees are a health-conscious organization, so that's all well and good. But how many times have we seen him leave a closer out there to die and we lose the game? Like, right. look, look like at that, exactly. that awful so loss in, in Houston the day this... before the, the All-Star game. He let Chad Green out as the sacrificial lamb, and we lost that game. Right. Yeah. So I think that's that's a it's a point to Aaron Boone's credit where he'd be like, hey, you know what? He's whether it's he's back from COVID or you just know Chapman, and you know that he just can't locate a fastball unless it's in the left handed batter's box. Like, you know, it is what it is. But two of two of his last three outings, you know, his first three outings back in COVID. But the two of the first three. Well, outings, I, I want to specify it was he had elbow inflammation. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. 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 So his elbow injury. So but two of those first three outings. Boone took him out, and he took him out of the ninth inning, a, a, you know, a game that he would otherwise be closing. And, and it was uh, wild, too, because his first outing, he was hitting one like 95, 96. It looked bad. He threw half the ball to the backstop. Now, granted, he hadn't pitched in like 12, 13 days at that <clears> point because <throat> he didn't have any rehabs. They just sat him down for 10 days and activated him immediately. Uh, but yeah, then I mean, not, it's not just weird say, because you know, we're not, Monday we're he not, looked good. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, maybe he's not conditioned back to throw – you know, heavy workload two days in a row. Like, who knows, right? Because we know Chapman. We see all the posts on Instagram. He, you know, he's always in great shape. He lifts heavy. He does whatever. Um, 
but you know, he goes out there, he's sweating like a freaking horse, and he did not look comfortable. <laughs> um, last night he was sweating profusely. He didn't he didn't look at all comfortable, and hopefully that's just a you know a conditioning something or other, or you know just a feel. Uh, for the game, you know, it's hot night, maybe he's sweating, maybe it's whatever, who knows, you know, but maybe, hopefully that's something that he can just get back into more of a rhythm and um, start to stabilize because, you know, we just need those bullpen, you know, pieces to fall into place. Yeah, getting him back is, you know, I think we, we said it when, when he went down the aisle in the first place that we were getting outs. Obviously we had Riding's up, pitching well. We had Britain still being healthy, uh, but it was like, hey, you know, if there's anyone you can survive losing, it's it's a reliever, right? It, I, I, I get I get that he has the highest ceiling of anyone in your bullpen, but generally speaking, you can make do with everyone else in the bullpen. Like, look at Tampa; they always have some of their their best guys out every year, right? And then whoever, like they just traded their closer at the, at the trade deadline and they, they're showing no worse for the wear, right? So you, you can survive with with whoever you have in your bullpen to get those outs. Uh, right. But getting Chapman back on track is certainly a nice little feather in the cap for, for us for, for the postseason. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, maybe this is ending on a sour note, but we've talked a lot about the bullpen. We definitely do need to, to, to point it out specifically. Um, Zach Burton is probably done for the season. He's had another elbow injury, and, and you know, he's gone. He's going to see um, the doctor, and he's going to do all that stuff. But um, the, you know, the prognosis this time doesn't sound great, and I can't imagine we'll be seeing him again either for a while or at all this season, which sucks because as much as I don't enjoy watching him ever, you know, he has been generally a very good and valuable contributor. Uh, for the bullpen the last couple of years. And mm-hmm. this year was kind of a lost, you know, just a totally blown up season for him. And um, and you wonder if he had a similar situation as, as Luke Voigt, where you just couldn't get on track because he had one injury after another. Uh, so maybe he looked as bad as he did a couple weeks ago, but a couple more outings under his belt and he would start to, to fine tune his shit and, and get back to the guy we expect him to be. And at this point, we, we may never know that this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess it's, it's hard to say. I was obviously hoping for that, but then you kind of have, you know, what do they say, right? Elbow injuries and, and as it relates to control and um, a couple outings recently where the diagnosis really is what an elbow sprain. Yeah. It's an elbow injury. And, you know, I think one of the writers even floated possible Tommy John today. You know, we're not doctors. We just read, and uh, he's going to go get the exams and all that, all that business. But it sucks for him. And you know, I guess thankfully the Yankees have Wandy Peralta and whoever else, you know, Nestor and Andrew Haney and whoever else might wind up in the bullpen who are lefties. But that definitely sucks for Zach Burton. And you know, the Yankees lost a pitcher who's generally been pretty good for them. So that's a bummer. Yep, the heat, the hits just keep on coming, and, and they're going to have to figure out what to do with their their bullpen. But the good news is that. They they had the luxury of being a playoff team again as of this moment, so they just got to hold on to that. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to catch Tampa. They certainly have the opportunity the last three games of the season, three games at home. So if they're within striking distance, they could steal the division. But as of right now, it looks like we're destined for another wild card appearance. So really, you just got to get healthy 
throughout the month of and, September. Um, Figure out your bullpen, and then you attack that game with all you got. And since we're trying to be optimistic, there's plenty to be optimistic about, but I suppose we could leave with this nugget of optimism. Um, the Yankees do, in fact, to their inability to score runs at any rate for the first half of the season, um, and their bullpen and whatever else you know factors you want to give it, are like really good in close games, like really good, like the best in baseball good. So yep, yep, they have the most um, games played decided by one or two runs. Uh, they have the most wins in baseball in those games, and obviously the highest winning percentage of those one and two run games in baseball. Um, all three uh, league best, so they're they're battle tested. Boone even said it last night. Someone said like, hey, what kind of a toll does this take? You know, having all these games. Does it take on on your team? Do you feel like you're emotionally worn out? And he's like, yeah, this is just par for the course for us. This is what we do every night. So, right. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, it's definitely good. It's obviously good for the players, right? You want to, you know, 160 games is a long season, right? You want to feel something on any given night. And they're in these close games, right? They have to pay attention. They have to stay locked in. And I really do think it's good for Aaron Boone. We, You know, we've ripped on the guy for, you know, up and down and sideways for everything. But, like, it's good for him to have to treat these games like they matter and to make the moves that are make sense right and not just to be like hey you know what it's a one run game we're down by one i'm just going to bring in like the last minute of the bullpen just to save wear and tear or whatever like they're winning these games they're staying in these games and um you know that obviously i think bodes well for the playoffs when you're going to get that pressure cooker stressful make you want to throw up environment just about every night so that's right. Good. I said this to Luigi on, on our last podcast where you're sitting on every pitch in, in the postseason normally. And I feel like we're doing that every game in at least the ninth inning, if not earlier. So the postseason's almost going to seem less stressful than it normally is. And not because it's lower leverage situations than it normally is, but just because we're so numb to to how stressful and high stakes all those those moments are just because we're living it every night this year yeah yeah so that's that's a good little nugget of optimism to leave everyone on but you know i think that's uh you know the vibes are very good they're very strong right now help is on the way and let's you know it's time to just keep getting some wins yep just despite everything else the yankees have won 11 games in a row and have rocketed all the way up to the number one wild card spot just right. four games behind the Rays for first place in the division. Although I might be four and a half. Yep, because Tampa Bay won tonight and we were off. Uh, but ultimately, right. there's nothing else. The Yankees fans for watching the 21, 2021 season have gotten to watch the Yankees or are getting to currently watch the Yankees do something that they haven't done in 35 years. Yeah, and, and it's been one hell of a roller coaster season, right? Because the highs are, are so high and the lows are, are depressingly low. But all things considered, the Yankees are in a better position today than they've been at any point before during this season. And that's that's a good place to be. So let's go to Oakland. Let's take care of business there. And let's keep the good times rolling. Yes, so again, for, for, for G, for Andrew... This has been the Bronx Bomber Babble Podcast. Let's go Yankees.